0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Film Maverick Show. Today we are talking with Sean Robinson. Uh, Sean is a, a product manager for Lumix, and uh, so today we're talking all about the new S series of cameras and lenses. Uh, this is super exciting if you've been following the channel. We've made a few videos about this already, but um, I wanted to It straight from uh, the lips of a product (laughs) manager himself. So thanks for joining me, Sean.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Awesome. Um, So if you are not familiar with the S1, um, I'm very confused at you, but uh, there is uh, two new cameras. Uh, They're full-frame cameras. This is the first full-frame offerings ever from Panasonic. Um, and uh, they've announced three lenses that will come right at the beginning, uh, right? So,
1: yeah. So the the two cameras, S1, S1R, and the 24 to 105 f/4, 70 to 200 f/4, and 50 millimeter uh, 1.4 S Pro reference lens all start shipping um, out first weekish of April. Nice, so.
0: awesome. And then in addition to that, um, they've talked about a roadmap for lenses in the yep. future, can you say anything about that?
1: Yeah, so um, in Barcelona, we, we um, released that by the end of uh, end of the year, we will also have uh, 24 to 70, 2.8, 70 to 200, 2.8, and 16 to 35 F4. Nice. Um, I haven't announced pricing or exact details of when they're going to come out, but a you know, little bit further out roadmap of what's yeah. going to be there.
0: Okay, awesome. And in addition to that, there is an alliance uh, with two other manufacturers
1: Correct, yeah. So we've got uh, Leica and Sigma are all uh, uh, alliance members here. We all license the mount and system from Leica, the owners of it. Um, And I think uh, uh, something that just came out, uh, I think it was yesterday morning or something, was that with Sigma's part in this uh, uh, alliance, we're looking at something like 78 lenses that are going to be compatible to the system by 2020. Wow. So.
0: That's amazing because I remember, um, well, anytime there's a new camera system launch, that's always the hiccup that helps, you know, holds people back from converting. Um, I remember when Sony first launched their uh, their new line of mirrorless cameras. That mm-hmm. was the biggest issue. Um, and that was around the time um, when I was sort of making some different camera decisions and switching <laughs> things around and, um, and. I remember looking at the system, being very interested in it, but the lenses that I wanted just were not an option. And so, it's, and you know, looking back, I remember it took like two or three years before that became a you know oh, a yeah. reality. Um, so and that this- was also
1: before like MetaBones was big with the the good adapters. Like you right. had just the simple adapters, and you were working all, all manual glass. So right. it, those those days, I I remember very clearly.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, all right, for most of, most of the data that I'm seeing about these cameras, obviously you are going to sell a ton of these to photographers. Mm-hmm. Um, my audience is primarily filmmakers. Um, and uh, so maybe you could talk to me because I'm seeing, I think this is in part due to because of the fact that there's two different cameras that are coming mm-hmm. out at the same time. I think there's a lot of confusion. And so when I'm on the forums and things, I see a lot of people um, spitting out misinformation about what the two cameras do because they're just, yeah. they're confused. They have different feature sets. They're, mm-hmm. they're designed for different purposes. Um, maybe you could talk to me about, from a filmmaker's perspective, um, you know, is there is there one that they should look at over the other, or is there different reasons based on the type of work that they do they should look at different ones? Yeah. Talk to me about that.
1: Yeah, definitely. So so in, in the system, you know, I, I obviously said we, there's the two cameras, the S1R, which is definitely, like, I'd say, like a 90% photographer's camera. 10% video, um, you know, things like time limited to like 15 minutes in 4K, things like that. So that's not really necessarily a useful tool for so more video cinema work. But Say
0: it again, it's, it's a 15-minute limit in 4K 30? 4K 30,
1: okay. 60p. Um,
0: so across the board, if you're shooting in 4K, it's a 15 Pretty minute much
1: limit. like 15-minute. I'd have to dig 100% into like if 30p or 20, if okay. 24, a little different, but... It's, it's clearly not really the best tool for video and cinematography. Okay. That's where the S1 slots in. The S1, okay. you know, like like uh, from the beginning, it's unlimited time recording for up to 4K 30p. Nice. 60p internally gets uh, up to 29.59, so the 30-minute nice. limit. Right. Um, HDMI out is going to, at day one, it's going to support 422 10-bit, but in HLG, Okay. with Atomos, um, they made the announcement a couple weeks ago with that. Um,
0: Maybe say something real quick, HLG yeah. is a new terminology for a lot of people.
1: Yeah, uh, HLG, Hybrid Log Gamma, so the uh, HDR, basically it's, it's a delivery ready HDR footage, so you throw it up on a, on a display, you get immediate um, flagging done properly so that it projects onto that HDR display correctly. Um, So this camera will have all of that embedded straight up and I know from uh, Looking at the community in general There's been a lot of good success on the GH5s using HLG as a kind of log profile to get You know better dynamic range than natural or things like that so it's gonna have that from launch both internally and externally okay Um, so Some of those pieces are what really is like, you know, what is core? Uh, for cinematographers and videographers on the S1. Um, Alongside it, though, because of some of the the things where um, I think people are getting a little confused online uh, with how the information's come out, Um, the S1, uh, because they can both shoot up to 4K 60p, the S1 actually does have the APS-C crop in 60p. Okay. Um, I know that there's a, a lot online of uh, kind of flipping that backwards because you'd think the higher resolution camera would have the right. the crop issue, um, but the S1 crops in it at uh, to APS-C in 4K 60p because the priority there with with image quality and being in line for when we add full vlog to this later on. Okay. And 422 10-bit internal recording later on, we need to have, you know, make sure that the image quality and the output of the sensor is going to be ideal for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, it has that crop. Um, the S1R is where maybe if you need 60p and you need that, that full, full frame look, Yep. Then the S1R actually might be. A, that's a use case that it actually could be solid for you because that sure. does have full sensor, uh, like full uh, field of view readout um, at a 1.09 crop. Wow. To basically correct the um, resolution pull down so that it's not an obscure uh, width for pushing it down into 4K. Yeah. Um, otherwise you'd have some, you, you, you could potentially have some artifacts, things like that. So now it's a proper pull down into 4K on that one. Hmm. Um, I know I'm missing stuff.
0: Yeah, no, that's really crazy. I think that's where I could see the use case of, you know, if you buy into a camera system because you're filmmaking, you're likely not buying one camera. Um, yeah. And so that's where you know, right tool for the right job where it could certainly make sense to have both of these. One, so that you can, you know, have the same look, the same color profile, use the same lenses, all of that, and have unlimited recording. And then when you, you know, want to shoot some B-roll, you know, you're not going to need more than 15 minutes anyways. Yeah. um, In 4K 60p. I mean, the times that, um, that I'm using... 4K 60 on my GH5 or um, the S1 that I've been using for a while. Uh, I'm. It's rare that I'm shooting for more than like 10, 20 seconds.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and there's a lot of that kind of thought with the system is that, you know, the reality is that right now, whether you're cinematographer, uh, videographer, photographer, whatever you are. The mediums are being mixed a lot now, so you need tools that can can balance both sides of the world in a in a how we put it in a no compromise way. So, sure. you know, for photojournalists out out in the field, a lot of them are starting to now be you know requested or or tasked to capture quick video. And in a case like that, like you said, you you're not doing. You know a two hour long long form recording you need like five minutes 30 seconds 20 seconds that kind of thing but the s1 will definitely sit solidly for the video crowd even though we are still kind of Promoting it and talking about it as still like sixty or seventy percent leaning more into photography. Sure. But our, you know, like the the, the core of Panasonic is never going to let video down. Yeah. So, it'll always be there. You know, the the full uh, full size HDMI out. Little things like that are all why yep. that's never leaving any of our cameras. But it's it's going to be, a, I think, a an evolving pro tool for pretty much anybody that puts their hands on it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And not to say that you would, it's, it's not like you need both of these cameras, you could obviously operate with just, you know, multiple of the S1s for filmmaking, um, because, you know, any of the other cameras that are shooting, any other cameras sort of of this format, right, mm-hmm. uh, DSLR or mirrorless cameras that are shooting 4K 60P, they're all cropping in. None of them are using the full full-frame sensor. Correct. Um, So, you know, it's not like you're getting some advantage by choosing some other system. They're all cropping in to, you know, at least, you know, I think think the 1DX2 is the only one that might have a little bit bigger, um, like a 1.3 crop maybe.
1: Um, something like that I think yeah yeah
0: and then uh, but that's not image stabilized and you know it doesn't have a host of other features that this is going to come with and yeah. it's three times and the I price I think that's
1: still motion jpeg versus you know we've got if you're using the hlg footage or h265 and you still have you know standard h264 mp4s that you've got everything there but to that point actually um, when we look at it something I think to make sh- to get people comfortable with it is that this isn't a GH5 replacement. Right.
0: Um, and I've said that to my fans because a number of people who are fans of the show have asked, are you upgrading from the GH5? <laughs> I said, no, it, it's not upgrading. I will certainly be adding it to my toolkit um, because it's an amazing tool, but it's uh, it's not an upgrade from a GH5, it's just something completely different.
1: Yeah, yeah you know, stuff like um, it doesn't have waveforms, um, Right now it doesn't have you know lut previews things like that that were um you know kind of instrumental on in the gh5 and 5s and putting them in the in that category of where yes they're hybrid cameras but they're they definitely cater very well to the cinema crowd um these cameras, like like we said, we, we're bridging, I'd say, like a G9 to a GH5 and the S1 will sit kind of in, in the middle of that area okay. when you think of video features. yeah, Like you still have high speed, but the high speed video recording is more in line with how the G9 works. Right. Versus variable frame rate in the GH5 and 5S. Yeah. Um,
0: uh, Certainly something I would miss out on if I, was, quote, upgrading, right? Because yeah. there's so many features like that in the GH5 that, um, you know, weren't able to make it into this system. So I think, you know, and I've, I've just talked uh, endlessly. If, if you've been a fan of the show, you know my thoughts on the advantages of Micro Four Thirds as well for filmmaking. Yeah. Um, so there's certainly advantages to both both systems.
1: Yeah, and, um, and now for us having that, solid um i'd say overarching system means that now depending on what your shoot or your job or or your goal is for your style or whatever we now comfortably offer everything from you know the the compact cameras that have 4k for you know super basic kind of stuff that's not you know maybe not super important like
0: my lx10 yeah i love that thing
1: <laughs> and then we got you know the gh line when you want you know that cinematic capability something that can sit on a studio things like that we have the full frame ss cameras now where you know you want that super shallow depth of look depth of field look you want the great low light performance that you're going to get out of it and then it it, it kind of makes a better transition up into the eva1 products into the varicam sure. products so we we have now a very easy path for growth from this that you know when you start using these cameras and then you want to step up you want to get the next level of cinema uh, like true cinema cameras we make all of it and when you're used to working in one you'll be comfortable moving through the whole system so
0: yeah in terms of menus and everything everything's very familiar Um, yeah i've had it for a couple weeks and so everything yeah came natural, um, in terms of using it, even in terms of like a lot of the button layout and the dials and things like that, like yeah. having my, uh, my three buttons in a row up top that I'm so used to and all those things, um, made it feel very natural. Just, yeah. just bigger. So yeah. Um, awesome. Okay. Um, maybe talk to me a little bit more about the lenses. I think, yeah. uh, there is people love to talk about, uh, the features of cameras, and then when it comes to lenses, they sort of. It, my perception is that most people sort of leave it off on two stats um, on, you know, uh, what the focal length is um, and on what the aperture is. Um, yeah. And, and most people just sort of assume if it's got, you know, these two things I'm looking for, then that's the lens for me. And then any price point, whatever it is, I'll just pick the cheapest one that does those two things. Yeah. Um, but there, there's a lot more uh, <laughs> that goes into yeah. what makes a good lens besides those two statistics. Um, and a lot of people I've heard online, especially the 50 millimeter, so, have oh, sort of made yeah. some uh, some statements about um, the price of that lens.
1: It's expensive.
0: <laughs> so, um, I guess the question is, uh, for for what it is and for what it does, um, is it is it too expensive or not? And and I'm not necessarily asking you to answer that question, yeah. but maybe you could sort of address the topic yes. and what this cam or what this lens specifically. Um, is trying to do this different from other 50 millimeter 1.4s.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. Let's 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 unpack this whole thing here. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, the, the 50 millimeter is is definitely expensive, and it's definitely bigger and heavier than most of the other 50 millimeters you know that are out on the market. But when we set out to design the optics uh, for the L mount system, uh, the L mount and the S cameras there was a basically like an edict put in place with our optics engineers that was they are going to be designed to the best image quality that can be produced out of it and then image quality um, consisting of multiple different touch points on what creates a beautiful image uh, or assists in creating a beautiful image so the first thing is that with the 50 millimeter, it has the largest aspheric element um, produced in a camera lens um, as far as we know to date. Um, it's, and what, is the,
0: what does that do for you in yeah. terms of image quality?
1: So when you're working um, specifically with this camera, um, the aspheric element is one of the elements that handles a lot of how your bokeh looks, how the out of focus areas can be uh, rendered. And in a lot of manufacturers, um, and a lot of commercial lenses, and those that were considered benchmark until, um, you know, basically this lens came out. <laughs> um, there, you know, there's the onion skinning in your, uh, in the bokeh area. You know, you get that the concentric circles. You get the the different look on the edge of it depending right. on what kind of lens it is. Yep. Um, the coma looks different. The bokeh out on the edge looks different. Um, and when our, when our engineers designed this, they basically looked at it and said, uh, LENS-O, uh, this is the benchmark. Well, we need to supersede that. We need to hands down be better. Can you say be what LENS-O is? Uh, Otis. those okay. Otis. Yeah. Um, and it's a phenomenal lens. Yeah. But there are things.
0: It's also a 5,500 lens, something like that. Uh, Yeah.
1: Manual focus, and up until recently, I think it was you know basically the benchmark. But when you look at it, there are things in there that our our optics engineers um, felt they could improve on. So by taking the aspheric element and one making it the largest that we can make it for a camera lens, and then taking the the mold that is used to create those elements which is where those concentric rings come from, hand polishing them down by an artisan who has to study for years before Mm. they're allowed to do this. Wow. By going through that whole process, it creates the the beautiful fall-off that's already being reported by those that have shot with it, um, you know, out in the field, outside of trade shows and things like that. Right. So, that attention to detail where you know, you're, you're pulling someone that's taking at least three years of, of time to master something just for the lens, just for one opt- one element in the lens. Yeah. So that becomes a huge portion of, you know, well, if that's what we're targeting, so the cost is going to go up. Sure. second biggest one is that for video and cinema, this is probably the bigger point of this lens and the whole S line uh, as a design goal is focus breathing in traditional camera lenses is mm. not well controlled. Right. Because it's not typically something you're worried about or, or concerned it, uh, with.
0: Sure. So As a photographer, you're not. Yeah,
1: yeah it's usually not a big deal. I mean, it, it can be with framing and things like that, but it, it, it hasn't become as big of a, a sore point. Well, I know you've seen the, the, the video uh, yeah. the, the, that we have shocking. up about yeah. it. Is the, that video available online? Or yes, that, it is. Okay, I yep.
0: thought it was internal only. Okay. Oh yeah, no,
1: no, that's that's definitely online. So okay, let's try to link to that um, yeah. so people can see that. Yeah. So the the twenty four to one hundred five seventy two hundred and fifty millimeter are designed to have basically no focus breathing. Yeah. Um, and for camera lenses, that's a that's a big design. It's a big issue.
0: You really if you. If the term focus breathing is new to you, you really need to, or or you don't quite understand exactly what that is, you have to check out this video because it's shocking and it will, uh, you will then understand why this is actually such an important part of yeah. having a good lens.
1: Yeah. And, and with that, you know, designing something to be to that level where typically you only see lenses that like showed no focus breathing in true cinema lenses. Yeah. This these kind of uh lenses, they're they're usually designed to not worry about it. But the 50 millimeter, you know, designed with two focusing motors, independent focusing motors to counteract, you know, the speed of focusing the fifty millimeter, but then also to move the elements in the right way that you don't shift your field of view as you're, you know, infinity to, to near. Um with the twenty four to one oh five and seventy to two hundred, you know. A lot of people were saying also too, like you know, they they are more expensive than the the comparative in other brands, and they have a 77 millimeter filter thread, which a lot of people online were like, well, they should be two eights then, because you know, company S's is two eight as well. And well, when you're designing that kind of thing for optical performance over in camera corrections, things like that, they're gonna be bigger. Sure. So even though it's an f4 for like the the 24 to 105. It's designed to be premium at at 24 at a f4 wide open at the whole range, right. and still carry that that minimal to no focus breathing. Um, allow you to, uh, especially in in the two zooms, allow you to have some of the technology that's been learned from you know the traditional camcorders, where when you're zooming, if if you're zooming and you're filming, you keep it so that you don't get any kind of drift with the optic because it's on a track to move right. it through, where traditional camera lenses don't. You zoom, and then you get like those weird kind of jumps, so you would never use it before. Yep. Now it becomes maybe a usable tool. Um, the, the the whole optics system for this, uh, after talking with one of our optics engineers who basically set the, the goals on it, it is it is insane the detail that they went to on these lenses because they know that the cinema crowd's gonna be looking at them very closely, they are gonna be expensive, and they need to justify the price. Yeah. Um, They're, if you get a chance to get one in your hands, like, shoot with it before passing judgment on the price. That's the one thing I would say. Um, It is is amazing.
0: Absolutely, and the build quality is excellent as well. Um, Maybe you could talk about, this is a lot of, Lumix really addressed one of the biggest complaints that I see in the uh, mirrorless world, um, both with uh, the GH line, of, well, the, the G line of lenses, and the Micro Four Thirds lenses, as well as uh, Sony's mirrorless lenses, um, and uh, Canon so new to the game, I assume it probably has a similar issue, but it's the focus by wire system Correct. of lenses. Um, so maybe you could talk to me about some of the features that are actually in the camera uh, yeah. that are helping with the focus by wire aspect of the lenses.
1: Yeah. So so everybody totally obviously the bane of an existence is focus by wire um, when you're trying to do repeated throws. So we listened, and I know a lot of people have fed these comments back in trade shows, and I know you guys have shared them to us all the time, and it's. In, in the S1 and the S1R, you now have a menu option to be able to take the focus um, focus throw and shift it from speed rated, which is the current one, or linear. So linear or nonlinear. So that's a big step forward to begin with. But we then added the ability underneath that to also say, well, if you're linear how many degrees do you want to throw from infinity to close? So you can go uh, set the lenses from 90 degree out to what's listed as maximum, which basically it's, it, it is lo- longer than 360, but... and almost every degree in between so that an- any of the lenses on the system will just solidly work. Yeah.
0: Will you hand me that for a second? Yeah. Uh, so for anyone who doesn't understand exactly what that means, um, this is basically what he means. So, in any other focus by wire system, um, if I change uh, my, if I'm pulling focus manually and I do this at this this speed, um, but I go from the same point to the same point physically, um, it's going to change at a different rate based on if I pull it slower. Yep. So, if I go from here to here and it's the same exact mark, but I do it this fast. I dramatically uh, pulled a very different focus there. Um, But with the new system, if I'm here to here, it doesn't matter at what speed I do it at. Correct. um, Then I've hit the same focus point. So this makes focus pulling so much easier and also makes it um, uh, much better when you're trying to pull focus on things that are moving at different rates. Yeah, Yeah. So, you know, for example, you're shooting a wedding and, um, the bridesmaids, all walk down at a similar pace, um, but then the bri- the the flower girl runs down the aisle, um, and so you know you still know where your focus is throughout, um, and it's not going to change based on the speed at which you have to pull that focus.
1: Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, so that that's that was like a solid place to to you know make a good improvement, but then on top of it. Um, with two of the three launch lenses the 50 millimeter being one of them the 70 to 200 being one we added a focus clutch um, which it's not a new concept to the market Um, there are lenses out there that do have it Um, and it's a awesome way to get your distance scale already calibrated on there you've got it Um, you want to mark it and get yourself you know visible marks to be able to, to set your focus pull right it's great um but allowing you to jump between those two different ways to do it is was important for our team because, you know, not everyone's going to want the focus throw that's on the clutched uh, part because it's really more of a focus throw for a photographer. Gotcha. Um, in the video side, you you may want for one scene, you know, you you may want a ninety degree throw, you may want a hundred and fifty degree throw. So, our main goal with all of this was to add as many. Things as we could to the camera based on all the feedback from the working professionals out in the market that care to, care enough about the prod the products um, and and what they would like to see out of it to give us those kinds of suggestions and examples of how yeah they would like to see it work so absolutely
0: yeah and I yeah. think some people are going to default to always wanting the 90 and some are going to default to always wanting uh, you know something bigger like 180 or something yeah but um, there's certainly a good use case for Um, for changing that and so having the ability to change it is fantastic you know if you know you're gonna have to pull focus from here to there in a very quick fashion because of the shot you're trying to accomplish well you're gonna choose 90 but um, if it's going to be you know a longer uh, focus pull then yeah it might make sense to to do a 180 or 150 or 120 you can dial it into whatever you want which is just crazy yeah
1: um
0: so awesome
1: yeah um, it's 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 exciting with with everything's going there because I mean these are just the first three from us um, you know and if the first three lenses that we we launch with if this is the detail that our team has been putting into these things I'm super excited about the next three lenses we've got coming yeah and obviously with Sigma's lenses the art series that they've uh, announced are coming to it they're you know it's 11 stunningly awesome lenses this year yeah yeah. Um, and then you know that the MC twenty one adapter. So if you've already got you know EF glass and you want to get it over on the system, you know it's it's going to be there. It's it's yeah. it's it's amazing how fast this system's going to evolve. And I think once these lenses start hitting the market and once the system gets out into your hands and you guys start creating with it, I think it's going to put in place what. I believe the whole purpose of the Alliance was there for, yeah. Yeah. and what it's going to mean for our industries moving forward that maybe not universal lens mounts across the board, but the option to choose the best tool, whether it's the best lens that you need, the camera that you need, you know, the audio device that you need, whatever it is, right. pick the best tool for the job. And in our case, we feel now that we think we've got the best tool for most of the jobs out there now yeah um and it's only just going to get better throughout the year um you know as a company we're always listening and taking feedback and we're always excited when we get a a, a community that sees a new product with us and you know does start you know kind of tearing into some things and and spec lists and you know pointing out where you know hey you could have done that better or you know i'm disappointed this isn't there but you know the the community you have that interacts and 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 the feedback that, that you guys feed over to us from what you guys get you know yeah. that helps us build these products better and better in every iteration and through firmware and all that kind of stuff so yeah we're excited
0: hundred percent that's one of the things I always have loved about uh, Lumix is that they actually listen to what you say and make <laughs> changes based off of it and we actually saw that at the training event um, when I got to go and. Um, get my hands on this camera for the first time is I was talking with Matt and he was saying how he was at one of these events and the engineers were there the, uh, from Japan and they told him about a feature they wanted and they said, okay, we'll do it. <laughs>
1: oh yeah, yeah. Um, and it was it was pretty quick after that. You know, they, it was, they were yeah. able to integrate yeah. it and, and get it all set up. So, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's an exciting time, I think, um, despite what I think a lot of people are looking at the industry as a whole or industries yeah. as a whole. You know, it is an exciting time. Um, it's just a different kind of excitement. It's sure. more of a. There are the the proper tools being developed. Yep. Um, they may not be the cheapest, but it is it is I think setting a new bar yeah. for for what we as creators and 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 content providers have at our disposal to get our visions across and come up with the next big you know blockbuster the next big indie film or it's kind of a contradiction isn't it next big <laughs> indie film
0: uh, you know there's there's know. In, indie <laughs> just means not associated with one of the huge
1: there you go uh, okay
0: studios so that works
1: you can tell i'm more um, of a photographer right
0: <laughs> <laughs> um okay cool lastly anytime i put out content about the s1 i always get the comment of um is the micro four-thirds dying <laughs> um, so maybe you can address that real quick, so that I don't have to respond to the comments that will come in this
1: video. <laughs> um, no. Uh, it, seriously, the 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 Micro Four Thirds system is is definitely not going anywhere. Um, our our goal for going into full frame, going into the the uh, um, S series cameras, is that there are things that the G series cameras have not necessarily been the best tool for. And just because we create these cameras does not mean that there's no value in the market and there's no value internally for us to continue the, the G-Series. I mean, the, the G-Series cameras were the first mirrorless cameras to be produced, period. Yeah. Um, 2008, the G1 came out. Um, we announced uh, back at Photokita the development of the 10 to 25 millimeter 1.7. I'm so pumped! Um, for that thing. We are showing it right now out in CP Plus in Japan. Nice. Um, little bummed we didn't have one here at the show. Yeah. That would have been awesome. But um, you know that lens is getting closer and closer. Uh, this is just the beginning of things. You know, anytime there's a major product launch, um, especially when it's a big departure for a brand. There's always going to be that kind of moment of hesitation. Um, and believe me, we, we hear and we read all the comments online. We get the emails. I get the phone calls. you know. Um, but it's one of those things where we haven't gone anywhere yet. We created the category. We're building the category. We're getting a bigger and bigger footprint in, in both photo and video markets. Um, There's no reason for us to do any of this stuff. Yeah. Um,
0: So um, maybe you could just give an extra affirmation of that just to tell us maybe um, just, I don't don't know how much you're, um, you know, being a product uh, manager, I'm not sure what what your knowledge of this (laughs) is, but if you can say anything about um, when the S wine was being developed, which... Uh, my understanding it's been being developed for like five years or something oh yeah a number of years um, so
1: i think before the was, gh5 really okay i, wow. I think so or around that period of when it so was seriously <laughs> looking into it yeah, so
0: this is not a quick development so yeah. um, okay so maybe say something about um, a the you, you would think that it would, it would be easy to think that when you um, start building a whole new system that that uh, energies are diverted, right? Yeah,
1: correct, 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 correct. So, yeah.
0: maybe speak to that a little bit. Yeah.
1: So, you know, I think putting putting product development into um, perspective, right? If a company, especially a company the size of ours, had to devote all resources to one SKU, one product, one series you wouldn't be in business it's it's yeah. it's impossible to develop products and be competitive in the market especially now if that's how business worked yep. um, I think the imaging community so photo video all of it I think because we are known as an electronics manufacturer um, and this community has had bad experiences with electronics manufacturers making some amazing products and then just up and vanishing yeah I think that's put a bit of a kind of scared point for people. Sure. The truth is is that we've been in the imaging industry for decades with the Camcorder divisions things like that. We are very good at developing multiple products at once. Yeah. You know, like case in point, the fact that the S series was being developed in line with, you know, the GH5, GH5S, G85, things like that, G9. Right. There's nothing that can preclude us from necessarily, you know, creating these systems in tandem. You know, do you see uh, in the current sca- uh, scope of Micro Four Thirds? Yes, there is a slowdown in Micro Four Thirds development, but not in the way that you think. Um, the reason there's a slowdown is because look at the look at what lenses are there. Right. Look at the camera bodies that are already on the market. Right. In order to truly create a new product, you have to look closer at that market and say, okay, well, instead of just, you know, changing one number and adding this little thing and calling it a new model, yeah. it, it, that that doesn't fly these days anymore. You have to A lot to
0: look- of people, a lot of camera manufacturers still do that. Yeah. But that was, you know, um, I was actually talking to somebody yesterday who is still a GH4 user and, um, you know, uh, obviously still a wonderful camera, but dated. And, um, you know, that was one of the things I was trying to tell her is like, this was not a incremental upgrade. This was a a revolutionary upgrade in in every way. And that's one of the things that I always appreciate appreciate about Panasonic is it's not um, just, it doesn't ever feel like it's just a cash grab of, okay, well now you got two more megapixels and you know, a third of a stop, better low light.
1: Exactly. Um, The products we develop, and it goes to that feedback we get, the products we develop, the cameras that come out, the lenses that come out are based on massive amounts of data and feedback that comes in from communities, from sales figures, obviously, from NPD, all those kinds of places. But when we update something, it's a substantial update. It's not just a slight tick on a, a spec sheet just to say that it's better. Right. Um, the G-Series is no different than that. Right now, the G-Series is a pretty solidly self-sustaining system. Right. You have almost every lens that you kind of need, knowing that there are, you know, those that are out there um, screaming to the high heavens that you want a seven and a half millimeter prime or a 10 millimeter prime, everyone hears you, but it's a matter of looking at what can be done, can it be done in the right way, and we have that 10 to 25 coming out, so you'll have that. There you go. But, yeah, G-Series tandem in you know line development, that's not a problem. If it was a problem, we wouldn't even be a company. Um, yeah.
0: Awesome. Very cool. Well, thanks so much for your time. This has been super awesome. Yeah, of and course. so helpful, I know. Yeah.
1: Cool. These are fun.
0: Yeah. Well, um, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe. Um, we have lots of content about the S one, but more importantly, I think we have lots of content from some of the most amazing filmmakers on the planet coming to you every single week, as well as our film critiques on Fridays that you can submit your own film to, um, to have me critique it and help you out and help you grow your craft. So hit that subscribe button and we'll see you next time. The Film Mavericks podcast is produced by Taylor Juarez and Teddy Findis. If you found this episode helpful, be sure to subscribe so that you never miss a show and help us out by leaving a five-star review on iTunes. And when you're done, head on over to the Film Mavericks YouTube channel for the video version of this show, as well as weekly tutorials, film critiques, and much more.